Greetings and welcome to Union Street Hoops. I'm your host, Paul Oren, and you are tuned in to a podcast dedicated to Valparaiso basketball and the Missouri Valley Conference. It's been a while since we've talked. Valpo has gone to Arch Madness. They beat Indiana State. They lost to Loyola. The season has come to an end. Part of the problem here is uh, my laptop decided to take a dive on me, and uh, I can't actually hear anything on my laptop. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to record this episode, and then I'm going to hope that it plays back properly, and uh, doing some editing is going to be a little bit difficult because it'll just be you know, looking at sound waves as opposed to actually hearing anything. But when you take the Amtrak to St. Louis and you have the tray table down and you start working on your computer and you start hitting a bunch of bumps, it jostles the laptop around. And according to some research I've done, the sound card can become dislodged, which I think is what happened. Uh, it's It's been a disaster and I've spent way too many hours working with audio drivers and things like that on my laptop. So if anyone wants to donate a new laptop, by all means, uh, I'll give you my Venmo account. We'll be good to go. Anyways, uh, today, big day, Monday, March 18th, when I'm recording this, Derek Smits has announced, I don't know if announced is the right word. It it just kind of went out there. I texted him and he confirmed that uh, Jim Reamer actually had it first, that he's going to transfer. He's going to declare for the NBA draft, and then he's going to transfer. Um, The idea that a lot of guys are going to declare for the NBA draft, this is what's going to happen over the next month. All the national reporters like Goodman and Norlander and and Rothstein and all those guys are going to tweet out so-and-so is declaring for the NBA draft, and they're going to get a bunch of retweets and a bunch of page clicks, and then they're going to come back and say so-and-so is pulling his name back from the NBA draft and they're going to get more page clicks and more retweets and it's just going to be a content farm. Derek Smith, yes, is declaring for the NBA draft. And when I had the chance to speak with Derek today, he said there are no negatives in this. You know, the rules have changed a little bit. You are allowed to dip your feet into the waters. You're allowed to test the waters, so to speak. And uh, and then what's going to happen is Hill might get a few workouts. He's seven foot one and the son of NBA royalty to an extent. And uh, and then, you know, he'll decide that to pull his name out or maybe he'll stay in. Maybe, you know, you can't teach size and they'll draft and stash or or whatever. And uh, and and then Derek will pick a new school. Maybe he'll pick a new school before he goes through the draft process. I don't know. Derek did say that it was like an hour after his name had kind of gone into the transfer portal, so to speak. I keep saying so to speak today. I would go back and edit that out, but I can't edit today. It had been an hour after his name was in the transfer portal when I talked to Derek, and he said four schools had reached out to us already, and I believe that means he and his father, uh, whether or not his AAU coach or high school coach or anything like that is involved in his party. I'm not sure, but it sounded like Derek and his father were the ones who were kind of driving the boat on this one. Look, is it a tough blow for Valpo? It, it hurts. He was Valpo's leading scorer, although all things being equal, if Ryan Fazekas is healthy, I think Ryan Fazekas is clearly Valpo's leading scorer. Um, so, yeah, it hurts there. He led the team in points, led the team in rebounds. Without Derek on the floor, you know, maybe Valpo, maybe Jason Arroyo has a breakout next season. Or Valpo shifts the way that they play, right? They spent so much of their time working to get the ball inside to Derek, who did a great job finishing at the rim, right? I mean, Derek shot uh, almost 60%. He was 59.4% from the field. Um, You take away that one three-point attempt that he missed, and maybe we're moving closer to 60%. 
Derek took 142 free throws this season, which is 41 more than the next highest on the team, uh, Javon Freeman Liberty, and Derek was just 61%. Mind you, Javon, who took 101 free throws, was just 69%. The next highest on the team was 68 from Marcus Golder, and he was 75%. You know, as we're getting closer, the higher the number. I mean, Dion Lavender was 75%. Uh, Bikari Evelyn was 77%, and he took 52 but the two guys that shot the most free throws were actually the worst among the worst at shooting free throws on the team. Soroya and Saki were both below 65%. So Smith's leading block, oh, not even leading blocker. He had 31 blocks. Um, Soroya had 33 in five less games. Uh, Smith's had 14 steals. He had 25 of six assists to 63 turnovers. Look, he'll be missed on the team. There's no question. He had 64 offensive rebounds, which it, this is interesting. He had 64 offensive rebounds. The next highest on the team was Golder with 39. Smith's had 119 defensive rebounds. Lavender had 150. So he wasn't, he did not have the most defensive rebounds on the team. So Lavender also, I mean, there'll be a big hole in rebounding for Valpo. It it's it's going to hurt, but it's also going to give Valpo the opportunity now to add another player, and maybe they add a fifth-year grad transfer, or maybe they continue to build out the program. As we stand today, Fazekas will be a senior, Golder will be a senior, Bakari Evelyn will be a senior, John Kaiser will be a senior. That's a lot of seniors on next year's team, which means building forward then you'll have Aaron Gordon and Nick Robinson, who will be juniors, so they'll have two years of eligibility. And then you'll got Javon Freeman Liberty, and you've got Daniel Sackey, who'll be sophomores. You got Malik McMillan also in the mix, who will be a junior. We'll have two more years of eligibility. So maybe adding, you know, a fifth year would be big if in fact you're you're going all in on next season, which Valpo should still be good. Smiths or no Smiths next season, Valpo should still be good. Uh, the question is, is what do you add with that piece? And will there be more players to transfer? Almost assuredly, Micah Bradford will transfer, right? He sat out this season with a back injury that he he got in a car accident right before the season started. Was it that bad of a back injury that he sat out the entire season? Or did Bradford sit out the entire year with the idea that he would preserve a year of eligibility and then transfer? If Micah is going to graduate this year, that would give him immediate eligibility for two years, a la Will Bogan, who had two years of eligibility when he showed up at Valpo several years back. So it imagining that Micah Bradford also transfers, Valpo would then have two additional scholarships, Smith's and Bradford's. Is anybody else going to transfer? Don't know the answer to that. We asked Matt Loddick last week about about recruiting and what kind of players he was looking to add to the team. And he very coyly said, we don't have any open scholarships right now. There was conversation in place that we would then talk to Lodic maybe later on this week after players had returned from spring break and there were exit interviews and decisions were made. The first domino to fall is Derek Smith's. And look, there are dominoes that are going to fall throughout uh, the college basketball landscape with hundreds and hundreds of students transferring. There's already names out there. And the more coaches that get let go, upwards of 20 so far, I believe, the more and more you'll see players jostling around and moving, whether they be current players or incoming freshmen. Southern Illinois got rid of Barry Henson or he stepped away. 
because he did not deliver a tournament berth, either the NCAA tournament or NIT, to Southern Illinois. He stepped away. They've got a handful of incoming players, and you'd imagine anyone on that roster might be interested in stepping away, depending on whom is the new coach. We saw this with Evansville last year. We saw this. I don't know that Drake had a lot of transferring going on, but you certainly see when there are coaching changes this happens. And even when there are not, Clayton Hughes of Indiana State just announced that he was going to transfer. This will continue on. This is called the transfer episode, and it's starting with Derek Smith's. And we don't have any other information right now, but we may get to that point. So Valpo played against Indiana State. All things were fantastic in that game for the Crusaders, right? They, they did an excellent job of kind of uh, putting it all together in a 77-55 to victory over Indiana State. 18 points for Marcus Golder. He played phenomenal. 14 points in the first half. Javon Freeman, Liberty, 17 points, 7 rebounds, 2 assists, 3 steals. Really played well in that game. And Bakari Evelyn, although he missed all 5 of his 3-pointers, he was he did have 13 points, 2 rebounds, 2 assists, and he played in 34 minutes. He played about as well as he'd played in, in quite some time in that game. Smith's 9.7 rebounds in 18 minutes. Soroya had 21 minutes, 4 points, 3 rebounds. Okay, so Valpo moves on to play Loyola in a game that they needed a good start, right? In order to spring an upset over a team that had kind of destroyed you at their place, and you played well against at home despite the fact that Lucas Williamson was not on the floor for Loyola, you needed a fast start. And there was a fast start in the game, but it wasn't for Valpo. Loyola scored the first nine points of the game and led 11 to two. They led 18 to four. They led 24 to 11. Excuse me, 26 to 11. They really, I mean, they ran it up. It was 30 to 13 at one point. 33 to 13. 35 to 13. It was just, it was 40 to 18 at the half. I keep looking at the play-by-play here, and it was, it was miserable for Valpo, right? Um, Daniel Sackey scored 11 points all in the second half. Javon Freeman Liberty, nine points. Jay Soroya, nine points. Soroya played 26 minutes. <clears throat> what was interesting about this game is that so Dion Lavender got hurt, had like a hip pointer late uh, at some point in the second half. Didn't play the last 12 minutes of the game, nor did Derek Smits. Came out of the game. He had wrapped his wrist at halftime. He'd hurt his wrist against Indiana State, but it wasn't anything he couldn't play through. And it was in that moment where Smiths didn't come back in the game in the second half. He played for three minutes in the second half, had one rebound and a turnover, got taken out of the game, and and Lodic went with with younger guys. Malik McMillan played seven minutes in the second half. Soroya played 12 minutes. Kaiser played 14. Golder played 14. Freeman played 18. Saki played 13. And Bakari Evelyn played 12 in the second half. Those six guys... You know, those seven guys, you throw Malik in there, really look to be the core of, of next season's team that were eligible to play in the game. And so I, I, there were, the writing was on the wall with Smiths at that point. Now, did the coaching staff know what was going on? Smith says that he told Matt Lodick over this past weekend that he was going to transfer. He texted and, and reached out, called a couple of his teammates. But that is, uh, that's the situation that happened there. <laughs> After the game, you know, I asked Matt Loddick, you know, Smiths didn't come back in. Lavender didn't come back in. And he said with Lavender, it was an injury. And with Smiths, it was a rotational thing. I asked Smiths immediately after the game, have you thought about 
about your future or anything? And he kind of discarded the question. And then when we talked again today, I said, well, you know, was it was it frustrating not going back in that game? And he said as a competitor, yes, it was frustrating. Didn't really elaborate any more on that. Uh, but again, the writing may have been on the wall and in that 67-54 loss to Loyola that Smith's time at Valpo was coming to an end. So is this Smith's deciding that he's leaving? Is this, you know, a nudging? I have no idea, right? But uh, for my money, Derek has always been a, a great person to talk to. He's always given us uh, good thoughts over the years. I've enjoyed getting to know him. And thought he had a breakout season this year, kind of going from seven and a half points a game to 12 points a game, uh, adding about two more rebounds per game, kind of becoming the focal point of the offense. <clears throat> Again, thought that Derek did did well this year. And and where could he go? Where where what level might he go at? I'm sure some big schools will come calling. He's seven foot one. Those guys don't grow on trees. Now. Does that mean a Northwestern or a Michigan or a Purdue or an IU or something like that will take a guy like Smits and play him 25 minutes a game? I don't know the answer to that, right? Does that mean that maybe he would move to a, a lateral move? Would he move to a school in the MAC? Would he move to a Butler? I don't know. It's not a lateral move. I guess it's up a bit. All 10 Big East teams made a postseason tournament. So I don't know what Derek where Derek could go, but I do know that – it's not going to be at Valpo. He's going to declare for the draft. He's going to go through that process, and then he'll likely pick another school, and, uh, and, and there you go. Too early right now to tell where that might be. So I, I want to end with this, and this is a quick episode today, and we'll have more as we go, and, and, and mainly it's this computer issue that's keeping me from wanting to do a deep dive in here. But Derek Smith's announcing he's transferring today, coupled with the news that Parker Hazen is going to transfer to Lipscomb and finish his career there. It had me think a little bit of where does Valpo fall in the transfer hierarchy, right? Are they winners or losers in the transfer game? And I want to give you two rosters of, of teams, and I want you to tell me who wins, right? I want you to, I want you to think about who would win this game, right? I got the outgoing and the incoming teams of transfers that Valpo would have. I've tried to do this by position as much. Um, and, and so let's go with the outgoing guys here. The With apologies to Milos Milosevic and Hervoye Vucic, they don't have a spot on the team. Both of them, they ended up going to Southern Nazarene and Walsh. They don't have a spot on the team. The deep bench, the 11th and 12th man for the outgoing transfer team for Valpo would be Cornell sharpshooter Andrew Ferry, who was a walk-on for the Crusaders. Mind you, timeout. Let me back up for a second. This is only in the Horizon League and Missouri Valley Conference era. This basically starts in 2007 for me when I'm looking at at the at the outgoing and incoming transfers. It's the Valley Horizon League era for Valpo. This is gonna, we're not looking at Mike Nelke. We're not looking at uh, Casey Schmidt. We're not looking at uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Jr. or anything like that. So we're looking at the Horizon League and Missouri Valley time. So Andrew Ferry is uh, the 11th man on this team. 
which is kind of presumably what his role was at Valpo and kind of why he left. He was a walk-on who should have gotten playing time. And even in a game at Loyola where they only had six healthy scholarship bodies, the Iron Six, as Homer Drew liked to call them, Andrew Ferry couldn't get any playing time. And uh, he went on to Cornell and was a great three-point shooter there. And also the 12th man on this team uh, transferred to Minnesota where he didn't do much, Chris Halverson, a guy that could apparently jump out of the gym but really didn't play much at Valpo, came in as a freshman with the broke-off era teams with Matt Kenny and Tommy Kurth and all of that. So Andrew Ferry and Chris Halverson are the deep bench on this. Okay, point guards on the outgoing transfer team. Starting point guard, Lexus Williams, transferred to Boise State. Backing him up, whether or not he's a point guard or shooting guard, Jay Harris, transferred to Wagner and UIC. Jay Harris came in with a lot of hype. And played well for two years, but he wanted a bigger role, ultimately transferred on. Lexus Williams was here, was a grad transfer, one of the first that Valpo had in a while. And uh, and he ended up you know, going to Boise State where he ended up beating Oregon with a half-court shot. And, and Lexus Williams had a, a pretty solid year at Boise State. And I think really Valpo last year, their first year in the Valley, Desperately missed Lexus Williams. And that's why I put him as a starter over Jay Harris, because I think that Valpo missed Lexus Williams considerably in that final year. Shooting guard, uh, one guy who fulfilled a lot of potential here, and then one guy who was nothing but potential. You've got Brandon Wood, who transferred to Michigan State, and then you've got Clay Yo, who transferred to Bethel. Uh, Brandon Wood obviously uh, played very well here at Valpo. He'd, he'd come from Southern Illinois, and then he was at a JUCO, a Highland Community College, I think. And then he ended up here uh, at Valpo for two years and then went to Michigan State. And then you've got Clay Yo backing him up, who shined for a year, beat Oakland with a three-pointer in the corner. Uh, and really, when I say shined, he had a couple—he had moments, flashes of, of really good potential— he was a freshman alongside Alec Peters. They, I thought they could have been running mates for four years, and uh, Clay Yo ended up transferring to Bethel. And uh, I always wonder what could have been if Clay Yo would have stuck it out for four years at Valpo. Small forward on the outgoing transfer team, David Scara from Cle- went to Clemson. They just missed out on a chance to go to the NCAA tournament. They will be in the NIT. And backing him up, Richie Edwards went, transferred to Arizona State. Richie was here for a year, came from a JUCO, I think, in Tampa, and then ended up transferring, sitting out a year. The rare thing of tra- transferring and then sitting out a year and then playing at Arizona State for his final year. <clears throat> the power forward on this team, and, and yeah, we're kind of playing positionless, positionless basketball a little bit, but Joe Burton, who transferred to Georgetown College after being ruled academically ineligible, uh, should be able to fill it up. And then he would be backed up by Parker Hazen, who went to a JUCO and just today announced that he is going to Lipscomb for the remainder of his collegiate career. The starting center on this team would be none other than Derek Smits, unknown where he's going to go. And he'd be backed up by Martin Linson, who transferred to UNC Wilmington. These are all guys who transferred to other schools. Sam Hompa was a Midcon era guy and a guy who didn't go to another school. Um, he went pro. So... Lexus Williams, Brandon Wood, David Scarra, Joe Burton, Derek Smith. That's a good starting five, right? That's a solid, solid starting five. Uh, the bench, Jay Harris, Clay Yo, Richie Edwards, Parker Hazen, Martin Linson might leave a little to be desired there, but and then Ferry and Halverson on the deep bench there. All right, let's take a look at Valpo's incoming transfers. Uh, the, the deep bench, 
uh, Dion Lavender, transfer from UAB, just finished his lone season at Valpo, and Jordan Coleman, transfer from Hawaii. Ultimately, I think he came by way of a JUCO, but originally was at Hawaii. These two guys at the end of the end of the bench there, uh, Lavender and Coleman, starting point guard for this team might be the best transfer out of any of the 24 that I'm looking at here. Keith Carter played at St. Louis, transferred to Valpo, missed half a season because of having to sit out because of the transfer thing, uh, shined for a year and a half, then got another toe injury, got hurt again, and then uh, came back for his final season and really was the engine that made that team go and should have gotten another year of eligibility and didn't. And that was kind of the beginning of the of the crippling end for Valpo of where they're at today. If Keith Carter has a year of eligibility that year, I think uh, Valpo is in a bit of a different situation. Uh, backing him up, Bakari Evelyn. Say what you want about Bakari's year this year in terms of how he struggled, but I think Bakari is, uh, you know, the talent is there. There's no question about it. So whether or not uh, we see that kind of come to fruition again next season, that'll be interesting. But you can't argue that the talent isn't there for Bakari Evelyn uh, on an individual basis. Shooting guard, uh, this is tough. Uh, you know, I'm looking in, in the role of the team a little bit here. If you've got Keith Carter on the floor, um, I like Will Bogan as a shooting guard. Like Will Bogan to be in this situation here. Uh, hit some big, big shots for Valpo. Uh, lots of th- great, efficient three-point shooter and a pesky defender as well. Backing him up would be Levante Doherty, although I'm not going to die on that hill of starting Bogan over Doherty. Could kind of flip-flop either way and uh, and, and really think they're kind of interchangeable. Different things depending on what you're, you're matching up on there. A small forward, Shane Hemming from LSU would uh, would be the the starter there, and then E. Victor Nickerson kind of backing him up. Now E. Victor kind of played all over the place, right? I mean, he could play one through four with his height, um, you know. But he had so many injuries while he was here that it was hard to really get flashes of his true potential. But uh, I'd, I'd like E. Victor backing up Shane Hemming in that situation. Power forward, really the one who started it all on the transfer train would be Corey Johnson. I think he will be criminally underlooked or underrated when it comes down to all-time Valpo greats. I think Corey was was kind of the beginning of this modern era of 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 the transfers and and really kind of it was a big stepping stone piece that they brought in with Corey Johnson. Backing him up, really again positionless basketball. Ben Boggs. You could put Ben anywhere on the floor and he would know what to do. Kind of a modern day. Um, or, or kind of a throwback, I suppose, to John Kaiser. It was Ben Boggs, just a gritty, tough-nosed, hard-nosed player that could kind of go anywhere, and I like Ben Boggs here in that situation. Uh, Musa Gay is the uh, starting center, transfer from Alabama, played one year as a grad transfer, and really his biggest contribution to Valpo, to me, was the work he did with Vashiel Fernandez in practice and getting Vashiel into a just much better basketball player. And then backing him up is... Maybe my favorite guest ever on Union Street Hoops, Bobby Capabianco. Bobby, big, big body down low. You could put those two together. And, uh, and, and really, when you put him next to Musa, he's not such a big body. But So who wins this game? Carter, Bogan, Hammink, Johnson, and Musa Gay against Lexus Williams, Brandon Wood, David Scarra, Joe Burton, and Derek Smits. Um, I think the incoming team wins this one, right? I think Keith Carter and Shane Hammink are better than anybody on that outgoing team. 
I, you know, the battles between Carter and Lexus Williams are always fun. We're fun to watch in the open gyms. Uh, I think Brandon Wood would be a problem offensively against the incoming team. And Scara can hit big shots. And, and we never really knew and, and got to see a full-fledged, powerful Joe Burton. But there's certainly talent there. I think where the incoming team wins is the depth it has. We're talking about Dion Lavender and Jordan Coleman as the 11th and 12th guys, whereas Andrew Ferry and Chris Halverson are 11 and 12 on the outgoing team. So this whole question for me really is, does Valpo do better in getting transfers or losing transfers? And I think they've done better, right? They have made a lot of hay with the guys they've brought in. And the guys that have left, yes, Lexus Williams really hurt not having him on last season's team. I think Brandon Wood leaving opened up things for Ryan Brokoff to become the star that he ended up being. David Scarra, you can argue that was a tough blow. Joe Burton obviously derailed not only last season's team, but again, it was expected that he would be the guy for two years, and it really kind of hung a cloud over the program. Don't yet know what the impact of Derek Smith's leaving is going to be. Jay Harris, Clay Yo, Richie Edwards, Parker Hazen, Martin Linson, uh, and really, I guess if you, you disregard Parker and Martin. They showed so little in that first year that you don't really know what you had, and it would have been nice to maybe keep them in the program and watch them develop. But the Valpo train kept rolling after Jay and Clay and Richie moved on, right? They just plug and played them with other guys. Now, looking at the guys that came in, Keith Carter played an instrumental role on leading Valpo to the NIT title game and getting Valpo back to the NCAA tournament. Will Bogan also played a big role in getting Valpo to the NCAA tournament. Shane Hammink, one of the better players that Valpo's ever had on a talent-wise. Corey Johnson started this whole thing. Musa we talked about. And Bakari, Levante, Evictor, Ben, and Bobby were all excellent players at a time. Bakari last season really closed the season off well. And, uh, and, and is somebody that, you know, this season there were some struggles there. Maybe it was the ankle. Maybe it was other stuff. Be interesting to see at the end of time what Bakari Evelyn's story is at Valpo. What kind of legacy is he going to leave behind? Um, you know, Levante, Evictor, Ben, and Bobby, again, a, a good depth for that team. It's an interesting exercise to look at. Did Valpo, has Valpo won the transfer game over the years? I say yes. Now, does that mean more people might end up going? You never know, right? There, There's obviously question Every year, do you, you've got this is the nature of college basketball. You've got to re-recruit your own guys, right? And maybe there's one or two more transfers waiting to be announced or w w waiting to to say that they're going to leave. Obviously, I think it's clear there's a couple guys on this team that if they leave, it would be crippling for Valpo, right? And that really starts with Javon Freeman Liberty, and I think probably extends to Daniel Sackey. I think both of those guys are are needed and obviously with smith's gone you'd like to have jay soroya come back and there's still you see the flashes with malik mcmillan you'd like him to go through another off-season program marcus golder will be an experienced player next year and in that indiana state game he showed what how good he can be right and then with john kaiser another glue guy that that you know you win with guys like john kaiser uh, at least you hope you win with guys like John Kaiser. Uh, that's another question for another time, I guess, what the makeup of next season's team will look like. Will adding Aaron Gordon and Nicholas Robinson, two other guys 
that may eventually take their role on the incoming transfer team. Where will Nick Robinson and Aaron Gordon fit in with the 12 guys that we just mentioned, right? And where will anybody else fit in on the outgoing transfer team of guys that we mentioned? Again, dating back for the last 12 years. 12 in, 12 out. There's been a couple other players that have transferred as well. A couple other guys that have come in as well. I didn't really do Juco's too much. Darian Walker is someone I didn't consider for this. Uh, Marcus Gold is another one that I didn't consider for this because they were Juco guys. I just looked at guys who'd once played at a Division I school and then other guys who left uh, mainly for D1 schools, but you do have Clay Yo and uh, Joe Burton and Parker Hazen who have all gone on to uh, smaller level schools. Um, you know, Parker will end up at Lipscomb and Clay Yo and Joe Burton looks like, I mean, Clay's career is done and Joe Burton it looks like his career will also be done at uh, Georgetown. Okay, uh, be back next week uh, or really as more news shows up here. Do hope to have a, a season-ending interview with uh, both Mark LaBarber and Matt Lodick at some point. Hope that we can get to that. Again, these computer issues have, have really kind of thrown a wrench into this. So apologies for the delay, but uh, it's been a technology issue. I hope this ended up sounding okay. Thanks for sticking with me for a half hour. Thanks for listening all through the season. It's been great. Uh, really enjoyed having Robbie Weinstein on for a while and, and hope to get him back too. Um, and it's it's just been, it's been a fun, fun ride. I know that it didn't end the way that a lot of Apple fans wanted it to. Uh, 15 and 18, 7 and 11 in the Missouri Valley, ended up with the ninth seed, beat Indiana State, which was, you know, that's that's good. If you're looking at potential rivals, that's uh, that's a way to go about it. So be back as uh, as the news uh, needs us to be, and I uh, hope, hope you do well and enjoy March Madness. <laughs>